We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Up Show presented by the Armchair Americans. I'm your host, Chris Phillips. Join, as always, with my co-host and my colleague, Thomas Floyd. Uh, we have a very, very special guest on the show today. Again, you know, yesterday we had the South Carolina men's golf coach, Bill McDonald, another special guest in a jam-packed week on the Spurs Up show. Uh, but before we get to him, if you're not subscribed yet, if you're not listening, if you're not tuned in, I'm not sure what you're doing yet, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet, be sure to go online, rate, subscribe, share, and download the Spurs Up show uh, on iTunes, the Stitcher app, wherever you consume your media, wherever you consume your podcast, we're going to be there. So check us out, the Spurs Up show. Uh, also, be sure to follow us on our social media accounts on Twitter at Armchair SCAR. That's going to be at Armchair SCAR. Uh, the, the Spurs Up show, you can follow on Twitter as well, simply at the Spurs Up show. Uh, you can also follow our South Armchair South Carolina account on Instagram at Armchair S Carolina. And like I said, this is a podcast brought to you by the Armchair Americans. So please be sure to go to armchairallamericans.com for all your latest breaking Gamecock news and coverage. Um, so like I said, we've got a jam-packed show. We've got Tom back on the show today, and we have a very, very special guest. Uh, I'm going to run really briefly. We do, uh, I do have a favorite news story of the week that I was telling Tom about before we jumped on the show. Uh, and Tom, I, I cannot seem to find this Phil Steele magazine. I'm a big magazine guy, big preseason magazine guy. I'm mm-hmm. a big Phil Steele guy. And... I can't seem to find it anywhere. I've been to about five different stores looking for this thing. I'm about to just cave in, I think, and buy it online. But it's been uh, it's been eating at me a little bit. I, I spent like an hour in a grocery store earlier tonight looking for this magazine. So I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty beaten up mentally, but it's all right. We're gonna make it through. So um, so yeah, that's it. But like I said, Tom, back on the show. How you been, man? It's good to have you back on. It's good. Great to be back. Not a big golf guy. That's why I wasn't on the show yesterday, obviously. <laughs> but uh, I do have a new story of the week. I don't know if it's a favorite news story, but apparently Janoris Jenkins had a body. Like There was a body found at Janoris Jenkins' house. And mm, it yeah. was like, I saw a tweet that was like, this has to be like the first time that there's been two murder or like people had like dead bodies found at their house because Aaron Hernandez and Janoris Jenkins played like football together at Florida. And so now that they both did that on Urban Meyer is just hilarious to me. But they didn't do it on Urban Meyer, but the fact that this has happened is just funny. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say that's a huge, huge show. That's all they've been talking about on sports radio the past two two yeah. days or so. So it should, should be crazy to see how that turns out. But uh, like I said, really quickly, want to get to our special guest. Obviously, you know, again, like Tom mentioned, we had Bill McDonald, Gamecocks men head golf coach on the show yesterday. Uh, we've got another very, very special guest today, someone we've been trying to get on the show for a while and someone who had been requested to come on the show is finally here. Um, you can put it simply, he's a part-time Dolphins fan, part-time Gamecocks fan, 
but full-time Twitter troll and Rob Prophet. Rob, appreciate you coming on the show, and, uh, you know, we're all excited to have you on. Hey, thanks, guys. It's a pleasure to be on. Look, look forward to chatting some uh, some football and, and Gamecocks with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I use Twitter troll lightly. To, I, I mean more so if you go to Rob's uh, Twitter page, you can see him see him bodying someone on a daily basis. So yeah. it's actually a lot of fun. <laughs> no, Twitter, so, Twitter, yeah. Twitter is my uh, Twitter is definitely my relief from uh, the stressful world that I live in. So I, I have a lot of fun. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. As it is for all of us. So yeah, I want to jump right into it. Um, you know, Rob, talk a little bit about, you know, obviously your background and just kind of where you come from, how, you know, how things kind of got going for you on Twitter. Cause again, you're almost to 5,000 followers. I mean, I definitely would think you're someone who is a Gamecock personality that people definitely obviously tune into and hear what you have to say. Kind of just talk about how, uh, you know, how that came about for you. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, years ago, uh, I, I was on Facebook, but, uh, didn't didn't have a, a big really outlet at that time to talk football with people because uh, at the time I was in the military was, uh, was in the Air Force and uh, got hooked up on Twitter I think around 2011 and uh, just kind of kicked off from there uh, known known uh, you know I've been a Dolphins fan my whole life a Gamecocks fan and uh, just 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 was my outlet to to meet other people. I was in an area where I didn't didn't have a lot of people to talk sports with, especially Gamecocks and Dolphins. Uh, so Twitter was my outlet, and it just it just kind of rolled on from then. I tried to be very open and honest, and uh, with 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 Twitter and 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 have good discussions with people, and it's just kind of progressively grown. I've been kind of surprised at the support I've got, but uh, it's uh, it's been it's been fun. It's been a fun ride. Chris, you there? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I was gonna say, I, I was actually gonna ask. You know, it's a, it's funny, like you said, you've been very, very interactive on Twitter. Is there? Uh, I'll, I'll ask this: Who's uh, who's the one? Because obviously, we both know Gamecock Twitter is a very, very fun place. It's a very interesting world. I think it's kind of a world of its own. Some nice people on there. Yeah, who who would you say is your uh, is your most fun or maybe maybe least fun person you have to interact with on a daily basis on the Twitter is there anybody uh, anybody you want to put on blast right now uh, as mo- <laughs> that's a good question um, I've got a lot of good good interactions uh, with with people in a fun way um, I've got you know there's there's uh, uh, Warlick and Trizzy Trey and uh, talk to uh, Brent and uh, Jason Powers and there's a bunch of good guys that I have good conversations with um, as far as fans go uh, really really knowledgeable people and uh, they, they're a lot of fun as as far as trolls oh there's so many haters I can't I can't even name one to be honest with you Chris there's so many I've years ago uh, years ago I kind of took I uh, took it a little bit harder as I was getting used to Twitter but now it's it's pretty much on a daily basis i'm getting trolled by somebody but it's okay <laughs> oh I mean, yeah like, that's something go as ahead, far go as ahead, no. when i like when i see it on twitter I, like you're probably one of my like probably one of my favorite like gamecock i guess twitter's like to follow and look at because you know you you really do keep it real with everything on gamecock twitter you're not like some of the people who just think that we're gonna land every recruit and that everything's just fine and dandy with every aspect of sports at carolina yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a big reason why I've 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 gained so many followers. 
is I, I haven't tried to sugarcoat it. And, and that goes – and honestly, that goes with – as a Dolphins fan too, I think Dolphin fans would – uh, if if you had an opportunity to talk to any Dolphins fan, they would say the same thing. Uh, as much positive I give uh, either either e- any of my teams, I, I'm I'm critical and 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 what some people will call negative, which I don't see it as negative. I just I just I, I think it's important to be very honest up front and and blunt in some certain situations. And I've always just tried to take that stance and whatever whatever situation that is, just just try to be honest to, to people so that. They, they hear what uh, I, I have gathered as the most factual uh, stance possible. No, absolutely. Definitely makes sense. And trust me, we deal with our uh, our share of uh, Twitter trolls. Yeah, I guess you could call it whatever you want to call it on, on a daily basis. But I want to move into football, Rob. You know, obviously a huge year. Will Muschamp coming up on his third season. I want to ask you this question first because we ran the poll actually earlier this week. Um, you know, on our Twitter account. Obviously, it's the off season. We're all trying to find stuff to talk about. We're all kind of just looking ahead of the season, kind of racking our brains, trying to figure out what's going to happen. Uh, but this is an inter- interesting question. I thought that we posed earlier this week, and it got some, uh, you know, pretty pretty good feedback on it. What what would you say, in your opinion, coming up on Will Muschamp's third year, um, this 2018 season? What would you say is the most important game of this season, in your opinion? The most important game of this season. I think is is going to be week two uh, when when the Georgia Bulldogs come into Columbia. This is uh, this is going to be a game that kind of sets up the Gamecocks uh, to win to win the East this year. I think it's 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 a it's a game that the Gamecocks not only have a chance to win, but uh, with with all the the guys coming into week two healthy. I think I think they've got an awesome shot to upset Georgia. Now, when we went to Athens last year, you know we had a handful of players out. Obviously, Debo Samuel's out. Zach Bailey wasn't healthy. We were missing we were missing some of our fire, firepower going into Athens, and we still put up a heck of a fight. Uh, and this year, we're going to catch Georgia early. Uh, they, they, you know, I'm not sure who their week one. I think their week one opponent is Sanford. So. Uh, week two, they come into Columbia. It's their first real game, real big game, losing a lot of senior uh, leadership and experience. And the Gamecocks come in with a lot of guys who have played played some played some good ball. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun game, and I, I think that's the game that that you know, even though it's early in the season, that we're gonna look back on and 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 we're gonna we're really gonna look at it and say that that was the game that kind of dictated the season. If if we win it. We've got a chance. We've got a shot to win the East. If we don't, then it's gonna. We're gonna be in the fight for second place in the East. I mean, yeah, I kind of. I tend to agree with the way you put it. That you know, if you win Georgia, it gives you momentum for the rest of the year, and it's gonna make a big difference to where you know you go play. I think we we. I can't remember who we played home at right after that, but I know we play. Like I think we go on the road kind of early, if I can. If I'm remembering right, but if. You win that game, gives you momentum for the rest of the year. It builds on what you can do. If you lose to Georgia, then you're just like, well, now we're just playing for second place in the East, which could not be true because I do agree with you that Georgia lost a lot on the seniors when you got um, Nick Chubb, uh, what's the other, the other running back for them? I can't think of his name. And the um, starting – Yeah, Sonny Michelle and uh, the starting linebacker for them. That was such a – Roquan Smith. And personally, also another linebacker. I can't think of his name. but Lorenzo Carter. Yeah, Lorenzo Carter, he's gone. I mean, I just think they lost a lot. I don't think they're going to be as good as people are acting like. But, I mean, they do have Zemir White coming back, and we all know how much of a freak he was in high school. So, anything's possible. 
Yeah, I was going to just say, you know, it, it's funny. First, I don't have the poll pulled up right in front of me, but we had about 400 people vote on it. We probably had 70, 73 or 74% of people, basically three-quarter of people say that Georgia was the most important game. We had we had some, some people kind of tune in and say Kentucky was one because you haven't beaten them in four years. Obviously, some people saying Tennessee, Florida, you just had your mix of answers, but – uh, you know, it, it's very funny to me, though, to hear, you know, obviously I, I'm I'm in that same boat. People that will say, you know, if you beat Georgia, you're set up, you should win the East. It's so funny how, you know, I, I just think back to South Carolina, the years they didn't win the East in 2011, 2012, when they beat Georgia, especially 2012, when they beat Georgia handily and still didn't win the East. So it, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think South Carolina is totally nece- or necessarily totally out of it if they lose week two, but I agree it's going to set the tone for the entire season. I mean, especially – and it's a game where I think South Carolina's got nothing to lose. I mean, you, you're not going to come in as a favorite. You're probably going to come in as a – from what I've seen, early line projections, probably as a nine- to ten-point underdog, which I think is a, re- a really, really big spread for South Carolina at home. But, um, you know, again, you're going to have nothing to lose. Again, it's I think it's going to set the tone for the season – uh, you know, and I actually talked with this about, you know, about this with Barrett Salee. And I, you know, at that point, I kind of had the same sentiment as some of our other fans saying, well, you know, I, I think Kentucky has got to be the, you know, if you don't beat Kentucky, it just shows how the program hasn't advanced. And basically what he told me is, dude, you guys shouldn't be worried about Kentucky. I mean, I, I know you lost four in a row to Kentucky, but Kentucky's not on South Carolina. It shouldn't be a game on South Carolina's radar. And he said, if that's the most important game of South Carolina season, that's a huge, huge problem. So, um, I, you know, I, I tend to agree that Georgia, I think UGA has got to be the biggest game of the year. I mean, it's obviously going to be a sold out crowd, going to be a packed house, should be a crazy environment, 3.30 kickoff in week two. So, uh, and obviously, again, it's going to set you up great to possibly win the East for only the second time ever. So uh, moving into that, Rob, I mean, talking about, you know, Will Muschamp, obviously, again, this is his third season. Talk about how you felt kind of about his his progression, his progression as a head coach through the first two seasons versus maybe what you thought when he first got hired. Uh, and then also your opinions on him hiring Brian McClendon as the offensive coordinator. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm always honest when, when, when Will Muschamp was hired initially, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of the move. You know, obviously I'd seen kind of all that went down at Florida and, and, and I kind of bought into that, hey, he had all kinds of talent. And if he couldn't win uh, in Gainesville, then there's no way he's going to win in, in Columbia. And to be honest with you, I couldn't, I couldn't have been more wrong. Will Muschamp, he is not only just uh, – he's, he's not only just exceeded expectations. I mean, he's, he's been pretty remarkable going into, the, into year three – I mean, this was a program, you know, a few years ago that was three and nine with a loss to Citadel. The coach quit halfway through the season, and now we're looking just a couple years, uh, you know, in the future. And uh, we won a, a, a January one bowl over Michigan. If you would have told me that the day he was hired, I would have told people they were crazy. I said, "There's no way that's going to happen." Uh, so, he, what he's doing uh, is he is he is. He's not only building the roster with some really talented players. Uh, there's some studs on the roster, and we're bringing some more in. But, but, but maybe most importantly is he's building a mindset within the program. Uh, he's taken, you know, this. He's taken this bunch of uh, this group of of of, of guys, and uh, you know they were under a previous regime and. You could just see their their attitude is it's a night and day difference from from when Steve Spurrier was was in, in charge. These guys don't quit. They don't give up. 
we kind of seen that year one in Will Muschamp, but again, he was he was he was trying to to build a, a mindset, and and uh, we're seeing that now um, after you know three off seasons with him, or into the third off season with him. Uh, these guys are working their tails off. Uh, you guys have seen pictures of, 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 of guys like Javon Kinlaw at, you know, six, five, 300 pounds and reported 10% body fat. Uh, he's the, he's a guy that showed up at 340 pounds. He looks nothing like the guy that showed up. Uh, but it's, it's not just him. It's, it's the whole roster. Um, this is a, this is a roster that I, I seen a few years ago and, to be honest with you, I didn't. It, it did not look like an SEC roster to me. Uh, there, there was very few players on there on, on the roster that I, I thought deserved um, to be playing there. Just from a physical, you know, just looking at their at their body and, and how they're built. And now you you kind of get uh, if you get a chance to get around the team and see them. I mean, it's just loaded with big, uh, big, strong guys that are fast. Uh, He's completely flipping this roster. Uh, I, I, I think the Gamecocks are going to win 10 games this year, and I, I hate if I'm jumping ahead, but it's all it's all part of, of, of your question in the sense that Will Muschamp has, has exceeded uh, my expectations. And I think, I, think, I think everybody's expectation, because national, national writers really hammered the hire, uh, and rightfully so because obviously he was not successful in Gainesville. But he's been absolutely remarkable. He's done a great job. There's a lot of things that he's done within the state of South Carolina as far as building relationships with high school coaches that that aren't really talked about on the surface. This is this is a relationship that he had to rebuild because Steve Spurrier pretty much blew up every relationship with a high school head coach in the state of South Carolina, uh, and Will Muschamp has has really connected. So on kind of all levels of, of, of being that sort of chairman and CEO of, of a program, Will Muschamp has been absolutely incredible. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I mean, I, I was kind of in the camp. I don't know. I was very wait and see with Will Muschamp. I mean, obviously coming off of, like you said, a three and nine season, the struggles that he had in Gainesville. I mean, I, I still remember vividly the game that South Carolina beat his Florida team in Gainesville in 2014 when they won that game in overtime, kind of sealed his fate. He was let go. Um, but it, it's like you said, it's been so it's been so refreshing to have, you know, that presence on the recruiting trail. I mean, obviously what Will Muschamp and company have done to this point and what are they, they are doing right now is, I, I mean, amazing, really, with the guys. That they're even just getting in conversations with, but the guys that they're getting as well. Uh, and, and I feel like it's only – you know, it's only going to continue to improve and go up from there. So I mean, I can I completely agree with you, and I think, uh, you know, I think the sky's the limit for Will Muschamp. I mean, I think this 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 offensive coordinator. I think he was very smart, obviously, to get rid of Kurt Roper. I know a lot of us were very very critical, and I mean, rightfully so, of you know Kurt Roper. And thankfully, he was smart enough to let him go and you know bring in some fresh faces. Obviously, promote Brian McClendon. You know, bring in Dan Werner, who's obviously a quarterback guru. Somebody's been around college football for a while, so. You know, I, I think this hire is a huge hire for him. And I, I think, you know, his longevity as a head coach really is going to depend on can Brian McClendon and Dan Werner turn around this offense. And I think it's going to be just absolutely fascinating to watch. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, real quick on the Brian McClendon hire, I think it, I think it's uh, I think it's a great hire. And uh, if you remember back to the introductory press conference, Brian McClendon, he he. 
in, in not the same exact words, but he basically said, one day I want to be a head coach, but that time's not right now. We all know that Brian McClendon has aspirations to be a head coach. And the best way to do that is to put an incredible product on the field. So I think what Gamecock fans are going to see this year in an offense is something that's been completely different uh, than what they've seen under Kurt Roper. You're going to see a much more aggressive offense uh, with with Jake Bentley throwing many more vertical passes a game. I, I spent I spent a whole bunch of time over this weekend watching some old Steve Spurrier uh, Gamecock games, and it seemed like at least once every drive, Steve Spurrier was 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 chunking a deep post. Uh, through through uh, Connor Schaller, Dylan Thompson. I don't know that you're going to see it on every single drive, but you're going to see a much more aggressive offense. Jake, one of Jake Bentley's strong points uh, since he was – honestly, since he was a, a young kid, he's always played in a vertical passing offense. And you're going to see Jake Bentley throw the ball uh, deep under Brian McClendon quite a bit. And it's going to be much more fun, much more up-tempo, and, uh, and much more pressure on the defense under Brian McClendon. I mean, yeah, I've, I mean, I've seen comparisons to where people had seen them in spring practice and said, compared to Oregon, how fast they just move the ball. And I think they're going to be set up to have a really good year. I mean, I wrote an entire article about how Will Muschamp's building something is eventually going to be better than what Steve Sprayer has South Carolina, which was saying a lot, and I got some heat for it, but it's okay. I've gotten a lot more heat than that before. But So, the next question is, can you think Jake Bentley can take the next step to become an elite SEC quarterback? I, I think he absolutely has the ability to do that. Um, what we've what we've got to see out of, of Jake is is just more consistency, um, and I think you're gonna I think you're gonna see a lot of a lot of that sort of change and, and more consistent uh, play from uh, play to play week to week uh, because of Brian McClendon. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna he's gonna call a game and, and build a game plan that fits the strengths of Jake Bentley. And uh, Jake, Jake Bentley has uh, incredible leadership. He has uh, all the intangibles as a quarterback. He has a strong arm. He's tall. He can see the field. He can make all the throws. People really, really underestimate Jake, Jake's mobility. Uh, he can actually run pretty quick, uh, and it's not on display much because uh, they want to keep him healthy. But I think Brian McClendon's going to going to tailor – uh, the week-to-week game plan around Jake and his strengths, and I think you're going to see uh, with with his with Brian's play calling, you're going to see Jake put up much larger numbers uh, in all categories, from yardage to completions to completion for <clears throat> excuse me percentage, and uh, I think you're going to you're going to see a, a big year out of out of Jake Bentley this year. Yeah, I know, Rob. I, and, you know, the reason we ask, I'm definitely one in the camp that, you know, believes if South Carolina is going to have the type of year that we're all hoping they do have, you know, a 10-win season, 10-plus win season, maybe possibly a trip in Atlanta, uh, it, it's going to be through Jake Bentley. I mean, obviously, I think people have seen he's had trouble performing in the big games. And, uh, you know, you think of last year, I mean, the entire team struggled against Kentucky. But, you know, I'm talking more games like Georgia, Clemson, against the higher competition he, he's had his struggles before I, I'm very curious to see you know if he can take that next step from a good solid quarterback again to being an elite all SEC caliber type player so again it, it's going to be very fun to watch and you know again it, it's going to be a lot of the scheme that Brian McClendon and Dan Warner put together for him because obviously there were times with Kurt Roper where he had absolutely no chance so um, moving to a little more a little bit more serious note I guess you could say we had some 
We had some offseason news, which in college football is never really a good thing. Um, Javon Charleston, um, his entire situation was arrested. I forget exactly what all the charges were. I think burglary, burglary or assault or something like that uh, with his girlfriend, basically like a domestic dispute. Um, I know you probably have some people that you've talked to about this situation, maybe some people on the inside that know a little bit more. Just talk about kind of your thoughts on the situation. Do you think there's any hope that he ever suits up for South Carolina ever again? So it's so hard to say in a situation like that, especially when legal, when, when, when there's legal charges, uh, especially ones that are kind of this, this big, but uh, you know, I can really, the one thing that I can, you know, confidently say is that, is that Javon is uh, from a person is a, is a great kid. When I, when I first heard the news, uh, if you would have asked me, uh, to kind of name guys that maybe I thought would have the potential to do that. His name would have probably never, ever came out of my mouth. Uh, he's, he's, he's always been a great kid, very friendly, very nice. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what his career holds uh, because, uh, you know, the legal system is going to play out and, and, and all that, whatever is going to happen, it has to play out. But um, my run-ins with him, he's always been a tremendous, a tremendous guy. And, uh, you know, if, 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 if he, if he didn't do nothing and he, and, and, and nothing happened, then I hope he's exonerated. And, um, if he did do something that he shouldn't have done, I hope he, he gets some help and he learns from this situation. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with what you say there. I, I think if he really, if he really didn't do anything wrong, then I have no problem with him playing in. But if he, did what the state newspaper article said he did, and he beat his. I think he said he he th- beat his girlfriend up and or his ex girlfriend and the dude she was sleeping with. If they were, if they were cheating on each other, I mean, I can see where his emotion got the best of him. But I think it's just something that you got to really analyze really well before you let him back onto the team or you let him play for the Gamecocks again. Yeah, no, absolutely. So moving kind of back onto the football field, Rob. Um, obviously, you know, we talked a lot about Will Muschamp, what he's done on the recruiting trail. Um, really a huge trend we're noticing in recruiting now is a lot of early enrollees, obviously with the early signing period uh, coming in December. So South Carolina, I think, had 13 of their signees uh, in spring practice this spring and obviously have a ton more coming on with, you know, I think Rick Sandage being a huge name, J.C. Horn, guys like that. Talk about which Gamecocks freshmen you see, that, you, that you see right now, who do you think of those will have the biggest impact on this upcoming season? Uh, one one player that stands out a lot to me is is J.C. Horn. Uh, he's a he's a, a a big cornerback who's who's came into Columbia really really bought into the system. Uh, there was a pic, a picture released uh, a few weeks back ago, and and it, it's kind of all the DBs all the DBs standing kind of in a line, and I I, I think even Brian Edwards is in the picture. But if you just kind of scan the crowd maybe the biggest one as far as a physical uh, a, a build wise is, is JC Horn. Uh, he's come in, he's worked his tail off. Uh, he's a guy in a, in a, in a very shallow secondary with, uh, with uh, you know, losing, losing a few key people back there. He's going to have his opportunity to play early. Um, he, he's one of them. Rosendo Lewis. I think you're going to see a lot of Rosendo Lewis week two versus Georgia. This is a guy who's a who initially is going to be a two down thumper, 
So when you when when Georgia brings in their eye formation and their and their run heavy scheme, you're going to see a guy like Rosendo Lewis in week two uh, playing a lot on the field. Um, so th- those are those are two guys that kind of stand out early to me. It, it, Israel Mukwamu is another guy who's done nothing but great things uh, since he's been in Columbia. He's probably going to see the field. Um, so it's uh, it, this class is very very good. And you're going to see you're going to see some guys on the defensive side of the ball get some snaps this year. I mean, yeah, I agree. You kind of took like every one of my picks for who I thought would be the most impactful. But I think I can't. You can't overlook Mukwamu. I think that's how you say it. But uh, Mook, I think is his nickname. But I mean, you look at a six-four corner. You don't you don't see those very often. You don't see them come to the University of South Carolina very often. If he can, to me, if he can run and has a good you note, know, he can get with most DBs and like how most of you should play and be able to play bump and run. I th- I think he would probably be the one who I say has the most success because, you know, probably in two years you're going to have him and J.C. Horn line up on opposite sides of the field from each other, and that's just deadly. You're not going to have – many SEC teams aren't going to have that except, you know, Alabama and LSU with their that level of talent on the, uh, uh, on opposite sides of the field from each other. But I think those two guys have the most, most like, potential to have a great impact, and I think a guy that's – like you said, like Rick Sandage, who just and Kingsley and Nagabury, or however you say his name, two guys I think that could have immediate impact defense tackle because defense line, defensive tackle specifically has not a lot of depth, and I think those two guys could help a lot there. King Kingsley, you you brought up a good name. Kingsley has been has been pretty phenomenal since he he arrived as an early enrollee. This is a guy who I think. I think he's going to be a huge impact player for for the Gamecocks over his career, and and quite frankly, he's a guy that I see playing on Sundays here in a few years. Kingsley's a stud, and and Gamecock fans are they're gonna they're gonna love what type of impact he brings from the defensive line. Yeah, I was just gonna say going back to what Tom said about Israel Mukwamu, I I can't I just can't wait to see him on the field, you know, in a Gamecock uniform, just seeing a. Like you're saying, I've never seen a six-four corner before. So actually, seeing him on the field covering, you know, a six-one wide receiver to me is just going to be—it's going to be very funny, I think, at first, but very, very fun to watch. Like you said, I mean, he can obviously if he if he can keep up with these guys and he can jam his guys at line. I mean, I think he could be one of the best. You know, he could be a top corner in the SEC. Um, and they, they've had nothing but rave reviews about him in the pre or. Uh, spring practice and everything but kind of following up on this you know on that question as far as the freshmen go obviously there's been a new rule incorporated where freshmen are allowed to play up to four games and still have a red shirt um what do you think that means for a guy because you know I thought honestly I really thought that the carry on joiner was 100 percent a red shirt uh and he might still be but what do you think that rule being you know it's going to be more so it's going to be impactful for a ton of freshmen but as far as South Carolina's concerned, what do you think that rule being implemented means for a guy like to carry on Joiner? Do you think we're going to see him a lot in the non-conference games? I mean, obviously, you know, Coastal Carolina is week one. South Carolina is a, a 30-point favorite. Not sure – you know, we're not sure they'll cover that, but I think it's a game where they should be able to pull away, you would think, late. Uh, what do you think that means for him? Do you think we'll see a lot of to carry on Joiner this season or no? Uh, I think I think you will see him because of that rule. I think uh, I think there's an opportunity – uh, week one versus Coastal, and then you know maybe even week three versus a team like Marshall uh, to see to carry on Joiner, and and for someone like him, this this is this is really a, kind of a blessing for him because I think if the Gamecocks can get up in those games and they can play 
uh, to their potential and, and 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 get some scores up. I think I think it's I think it's rightful to see what Decarion Joyner can do. And I, I I believe this the staff Brian McClendon has some packages for Joyner, and I think there's a great opportunity that you could see Decarion Joyner on the field week one. Yeah, I mean I agree. I think I think that's a good look for you know a lot of players the year and especially South Carolina when most champ has been promised players like you're going to play week year one. There's no wait period. You no, know, you're shirt for a year and you might you may get you no know, on the field in your sophomore. Year. You're like you're playing, and I know especially now that rule. There's no way he's not going to play, guys. I think, like you said, I think Joiner, especially now that he's got four games, did not the be able to play and then not burn a red shirt. They're gonna, he's going to play. He's going to be on the field eventually. They're going to want to see what he has in the tank and what he really can do as a freshman and see really if he can make that big of an impact. Because after Jake Billy leaves, he's going to be fighting tooth and nail with Ryan Holinsky for that starting quarterback job, in my opinion. I think it's going to be really close. Yeah, I was just going to say, kind of, Rob, piggyback on what you said. I think it's just going to be a great opportunity for Joyner to kind of, you know, his biggest thing is developing as a passer. I mean, we all know he can run, but can he develop as a passer and, you know, throw the ball well enough to, you know, start an SEC offense, an offense like the one that South Carolina is building right now? Yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be huge for him to get those reps against, obviously, you know, just, just college competition. doesn't really matter who it is at that point to see if he can uh, develop his passing skills, so. Should be a lot of fun to watch. Um, in your opinion, Rob, the biggest question for South Carolina going into fall camp is what? The biggest question going into fall camp um, is probably is probably the the secondary is who 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 kind of shakes out at the at the safety positions. How the how the the other cornerback slot kind of shakes out because I'm of the opinion that uh, Keyshawn Nixon will probably slot into the nickel slot. Um, so who, who starts, who starts opposite in, uh, in, 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 in the cornerback role of Rashad Fenton? Um, will Jemias went, will Jemias Williams take over the free safety spot, which uh, I think, I think he will. And uh, I, I don't only, I, I, I not only think he will, but I think Jamias Williams would would be an absolute elite free safety. Uh, this is a guy who is listed at five nine. I don't think he's quite five nine. I think he's a little bit under that. Yeah, but his is. athleticism is incredible. I mean, this guy is a true freak. And uh, if you allow him to cover deep center field, where he can just watch quarterbacks' eyes and and and, and break on balls. Everybody's seen him playing off the ball against Missouri and him break on that ball and inter- intercept Drew Locke. Uh, that's what you would see from Jamias Williams out of the free safety position. And, uh, you know, Jamias reminds me a little bit of Earl Thomas. Uh, the funny thing about Earl Thomas is he's, he's probably 5'10". He's an undersized free safety, but, but, but he was developed by Will Muschamp at Texas. Uh, so you could see a lot of those similarities out of, out of Jamias Williams. And then, and then the other question is who takes over the, the, the strong safety spot? Is it a guy like Jalen Dickerson who, uh, by all accounts and purposes, has, has arguably been the best safety on campus since he arrived, but he's just been injured and never got a chance to play? Uh, so the secondary is really, is really the question mark for me is how does that shake out? Who steps up? How do those freshmen that come in, those extremely talented freshmen that we just talked about, like Jay-Z Horn and Israel McQuamu, uh, and, 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 and Jonah Gibson, 
Gibson's one of my Gibson's one of my favorite uh, recruits out of this class. Uh, he's a guy who brings an attitude. I hate to compare him uh, on the same level of an attitude, but he's got some similarities to DJ Swearinger. Uh, this guy looks to take your head off and then stand over you and taunt you. That's that's just that's the the style of football he plays. But 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 how do all these guys come together? How does that unit come together? How does uh, Travaris Robinson and Will Muschamp develop the secondary, put those pieces together? And uh, that's really the big question mark for me. I mean, I, I completely agree. I think that the additions of Nick Harvey, I think he's probably going to be end up starting opposite side of Rashad Fenton, if I had to guess. And then JT Ibe, I think that's how you say his name. He'll probably be, you know, he'll at least be on the two deep, if not a, if not a starter, the safety position for Carolina. And I think that, Jam Williams is probably going to be a monster at safety, like you said. I don't, I don't think there's any way he's not because he's not getting exposed in nickel like he did against Clemson against T. Higgins. He's, I think he's that's really where he's going to be able to fit well at South Carolina and make the most impact. When you when you say you know he's only like I've seen him in person. I think he's probably like five seven, maybe. I'm not too big of a guy, and he was a lot shorter than me, not smaller than me. Let's get that right. But um, I just think I just think that unit is going to have to be has played really well this year for us to be able to push 10 wins. Well, well the the great news is the, the the secondary's biggest help is a defensive line who can get after the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, and and the the great thing about that is is that Javon Kinlaw and DJ Wonham and Aaron Sterling, those guys are going to be nightmares. Uh if you go back and watch uh the games from last year, Aaron Sterling, he was all over the quarterback. He was just one step away from getting sacks. Uh, and I think you're going to see a big jump from him. Obviously, Ken Law looks ridiculous uh, from a physique standpoint. And then DJ Wonham is, uh, is, uh, is kind of the surgeon. This guy, is, uh, he's, he's absolutely incredible. His fundamentals, his technique uh, is, is amazing. And you're going to see a big jump from, again, you're going to see a big jump from, from, from DJ Wonham from last year. Uh, so the defensive line is going to be the biggest help and support for that secondary who needs to grow and learn as the season goes on. Yeah, Rob, I, I'm a, I've been someone, you can ask Tom, I've been someone, I, I have very, very high hopes for Aaron Sterling as well. Like you said, he, he had a, you know, had a couple of sacks last year, but he was in on a lot of plays last year where I think he's going to have that. He's going to have that next step this year. If you know what I'm saying. So, I'm really excited about him. And, then, you know, I, I think another thing that the secondary's got going for him as well is that's, you know, that's Will Muschamp's bread and butter. I mean, he is the uh, – I believe he's the safeties coach or maybe he's all all around the secondary coach. But, you know, he's going to be focused on uh, getting that secondary right, you know, in preseason camp and everything. So, uh, I, you got to you gotta feel good that T-Rob and Will Muschamp, if nothing else, even if they are a little weak at the secondary, are going to be able to disguise, you know, be able to put a defense out there. They're going to be able to skies. Obviously, having a guy like Bryce now Wiens back again is going to help that pass rush as well. So, yeah, it should be a lot of fun to watch. But I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, it's going to come down to kind of the secondary play for South Carolina if they're, like Tom said, going to get the double-digit wins. Um, we were talking about recruiting a little bit, of, you know, earlier, and obviously we're talking about the secondary. So, no better way to to segue into a guy, Jaden Hill. I uh, wanted to ask you about Jaden Hill. Um, the cornerback out of Madison, Alabama has been, you know, a lot of people saying he's going to go to South Carolina. There's been some momentum leaning him towards Tennessee of late. What, what's your take kind of in the Jaden Hill saga? Uh, how do you feel about his chances of becoming a Gamecock class 2019? I, I think, I think, I think Jaden Hill, as you said, out of, out of Bob Jones in Madison, Alabama. Um, I think, I think what's going to be the difference for Jaden Hill is, 
uh, one person, and that's Travaris Robinson. From the beginning of this whole process, there's been one coach who who, who communicated with him on a daily basis, and uh, uh, and that's Travaris Robinson, and they're very very close. And I, I think you know, I think Jaden Hill got went up went up to Knoxville. He's seen their depth chart or lack thereof, and <laughs> and uh, and he listened to those coaches say, "Hey, listen, you can you can start day one, you can play day one." And I think that's enticing for a kid. I, I get that. I understand it. Uh, he's probably not going to come to Columbia and, 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 and start day one. We're, we're building some, uh, some good secondary depth with, with the young guys that are there. But, but he, he can make an impact. And uh, I think he's a player that can. I mean, he's, he's a guy that's about six foot, around 175 pounds. He plays very long. He's got great ball skills. A guy that when, when the ball's in the air, he really attacks the ball. And, uh, and he's got good hands. Uh, he, he fits very, very, very well in, in, in Will Muschamp and Travaris Robinson's scheme. And I think in the end, the, the relationship with Travaris Robinson will, will win out here and, and he will be a Gamecock uh, when, when the pen is put to paper. I mean, I agree. I think that when you look at what T-Rob and Muschamp put in the NFL defensive back-wise, you can't really look anywhere else and be like, well, that, they did better here, but – I think he's going to be in a Gamecock unless something at UT happens this year where they go like somehow end up at like eight and four, or if he'll and if Hill's uh, decision like ends up dragging out that long, I think that that UT will have a chance. But I think with Helensky recruiting as hard as he does, and all the other players at Carolina and all the other current recruits, you know, really putting in a hard, really putting in hard work towards recruiting other great talent to come with him to come to the University of South Carolina, I think that we have a really good, really really good chance at Jaden Hill. Absolutely. And following up on that, Rob, you know, kind of sticking with recruiting again, South, you know, Will Muschamp and his staff are doing an incredible job for class of 2019. You've already seen some big chips fall on a guy like Zach Pickens. Um, talk about, you know, I know we're looking way ahead, obviously. I mean, the early signing periods in December, so maybe it's not too far looking ahead, but you know, th- this class, this 2019 class, do you think this class has the, has the potential to be the best in South Carolina history? Are we going too far in saying that? Uh, no, I, I, I don't think that's out of the question, especially if, if you're just talking about on paper, because I, like you said, the guys haven't played yet, but on paper, uh, you're going to you're going to you're going to bring onto this roster some some, in my opinion, some elite talent, specifically uh, five star Zach Pickens and, and, and four star uh, with a potential to go up to five star uh, quarterback and Ryan Helensky. Uh, you, you, you're talking about. Uh, two of the nation's elite blue chip prospects, one on each side of the ball, and then filling it in with a bunch of other four star talent. This 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 class is going to be something. It's going to be something special. Uh, one one name to watch out for is uh, is the cousin uh, to to current Gamecock players uh, DJ and Dylan Wonham, and that's uh, Trayvon Walker out of Georgia. Uh, he's uh, I think a composite two forty seven composite. Uh, five-star defensive lineman. So if you bring in Trayvon Walker along with Zach Pickens and, and Rodriguez Fitton and uh, Josh Belk and Jakeem Grant, Devontae Davis, and all these other defensive linemen that we're bringing in, you're talking about a defensive line class that, uh, that, that sets the Gamecocks up for the future. Remember, football always has and always will be one in the trenches. Uh, that's where it begins and ends at. So you get that and then you get the quarterback Typically, those teams are the ones that win the big games. So 
this uh, this defensive line class alone is is something that is uh, it's incredible. I mean, I I completely agree. I think if you add uh, Trevon Walker to this class, it's going to be. I would say you would be hard pressed to say it's not one of the top three recruiting classes that ever come through South Carolina. And that's just you're not even going to know their impact yet. And Jakeen Green's probably going to end up being a guy who's the best JUCO defense alignment for his class. He's definitely has a look on film from his freshman year at JUCO to me. And if you you had a Trevon Walker to this class, it it just sky's the limit then because it's just right. insane to me with how how much defensive line talent will be coming to South Carolina. Then. And then you have just you got to add some defensive backs like Jaden Hill and uh, if Jalen McConnell, we can get some momentum back there. I think it. I think it will be hard for this not to be a top 10, top 12 class at the end of the day. Well, you know, and something to think about when it comes to Jakeem Grant, just real quickly, is uh, the last JUCO guy that we we, we got uh, that was offered and, and really wanted by Alabama uh, was Javon Kinlaw, and that worked out pretty good, right? And that's where, yeah. that's where Jakeem Green is. He, he's, a, he's a guy uh, – Green is a guy that Alabama really, really, really wants, and uh, uh, that should tell you a lot right there, so – Completely agree. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say also with the uh, 2019 class, it definitely helps when you have a guy like Ryan Helinski campaign, campaigning for you as well. What that guy has been doing has been just absolutely crazy to watch, hanging out with all the different recruits and, you know, just recruiting for South Carolina on Twitter and stuff like that. It's been crazy fun to watch. So um, moving into something kind of kind of lighthearted, uh, a little bit more lighthearted questions, but definitely want to ask you about uh, South Carolina picked up a transfer in wide receiver Bailey Rogers or Ace Rogers, they call him, uh, Furman wide receiver transferring to South Carolina. Um, Rob, what do you think the chances that Ace Rogers becomes the South Carolina version uh, or becomes South Carolina's version of uh, Danny Amendola? <laughs> I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that he will. Uh, he's a guy that I actually watched play uh, with Jay Urich out of Wren High School. I probably watched him a half dozen times play live, and he's got some 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 quick burst ability. Uh, he, he's uh, actually watched him take a lot to the house. I mean, he's got some speed, uh, but he's got an uphill battle. And 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 honestly, the re- the reason for that is is that wide receiver room uh, is arguably the most stacked room in in the whole uh, football program. You're talking a bunch of talent from top to bottom. Uh, so any any person any person that, that, that or any wide receiver that comes to South Carolina, they better be ready to work and they better be ready to to to, to be in a competition. Uh, so he's got an uphill battle. Uh, would I put it past him? No. I mean, everybody knows the story of Hunter Renfro, the walk-on going to Clemson, and and arguably arguably he's been their one of their biggest impact players uh outside of Deshaun Watson and a couple other last few years he caught the national championship winning touchdown so uh it's not out of the realm that this guy could come and do something but I just think it's an extremely uphill battle with the talent that we've got I mean yeah I agree I think he could I mean I've watched his his huddle highlights I think he could end up being a really good player for us if he somehow breaks the two deep with all the receiver talent we have especially with a Josh Van coming in this year and then you have next year with the guy, I can't think of his name, Jamario Holly. He's another, like, high four-star guy that's going to be coming in to play wide receiver for us. But I would just think it would be it's going to be hard for him to crack the, the 2D, like I said before. But if he does, I think he get he could have a really good impact. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, moving into some lighthearted stuff, Rob. Um, wanted to ask you about, as far as Twitter goes, have you ever had a tweet as funny as the one that you had 
or maybe one that had as much reaction as the one, the uh, Trevor Lawrence, Charlotte Flair connection, body issue. <laughs> uh, that was awesome. That, that was a good one too. I had a, I had a good one during the uh, playoffs. I kind of poked fun at Sonny Michelle a little bit. He kind of had some, uh, uh, some uh, lizard eyes on a play, and uh, I kind of said he was watching. Uh, uh, he had his eyes kind of like a chameleon. I kind of said he was watching the offense and the defense uh, at the same time. So uh, <laughs> that one kind of went viral, and but it's all lighthearted. I, I really don't mean nothing. I mean I've got my own flaws too. So it's just uh, it's just to have fun. Twitter's a Twitter, like I said, Twitter's a place that uh, I get away from the everyday stress and kind of trials and. And uh, you know, hard work. I, I, I run a, a I run a, a division for a company, and Twitter's uh, Twitter's my place to just kind of get away and have some laughs. So I really don't take it serious. But that that Lawrence one was was pretty good. So <laughs> yeah, yeah I was pretty, gonna say. I mean, even, I was just gonna say, even Trevor Lawrence has got to be laughing at that one. I mean, come on, that's that was absurd. That's all I'm saying. That 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 picture, Charlotte. I didn't even know who Charlotte Flair was before that, but I don't I don't want to know ever again to be honest with you (laughs) um just uh just you know personally for you rob you know kind of a fun question if you were a you know highly rated let's say high school player high school quarterback whatever position you want to be you know no diehard fan any school growing up where where do you think you would go uh it you know it really depends that's a first of all that's a great question uh and I'm, i'm i'm glad you've asked this i've had this discussion with a lot of people um in the past and i think it's a you know if let, let's say you know i had a kid or or, or that was a big time recruit or or i was a big time recruit i would look at what coaches have developed best uh i think as a quarterback i think there's a handful of schools where you, you look at you know historically they've they you know are coaches historically that have put you know, in a quarterbacks into the NFL. If if you're a lineman, it's you're hard pressed not to look at a a, a coach in Kirk Ferentz in Iowa who seemed to have a offensive lineman or two or three every year go in the draft. Uh, if you're a quarterback, a school like Stanford or a coach like David Cutcliffe, or I know he's had his struggles up in Michigan, but Jim Harbaugh has a long-standing career of developing quarterbacks. I think part of their Michigan struggles has been because they haven't had a quarterback, and I think you'll see that change. Uh, with Shea Patterson, but uh, Jim Harbaugh is one that I would look at. And there's, uh, again, there's other certain programs that are just known for developing uh, 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 quarterbacks or whatever position that is. So uh, uh, if it was me, I would, I would look and see, you know, who, who, who develops those positions because ultimately I think all these kids want to be in the NFL. I think there's some people out there who look at uh, a school with, with success and say, I want to win championships and I want to, do this, but ultimately all these kids want to go to the NFL. I mean, yeah, in my opinion with, I guess it just depends on, you know, like you said, your personality. If you want to win championships, you probably want to go to school. If you just want to be a star of a program, you go to a certain school that maybe doesn't have as much success, but they could, they would not be used to having such a big time, like prospect at their school. But if it was me and my decision and what I play offensive line, defense line, high school. So I would naturally choose Alabama just because they're putting out, a top they're putting out a first round pick in the defense line every year usually if not more than one and you know you're if you go to Alabama and you start a year you're going to get drafted by somebody and that's to it gives you the best chance of having a successful NFL career and I just think that's where I would have to be the I would have to start at if I was a if I was a prospect I guess is the word 
Yeah, and this just this just this conversation just strengthens my opinion even more that we need NCAA football to come back because if really if we had NCAA football, we could just all do it on road to the Heisman. So we wouldn't have to we wouldn't even have to debate. You could just do it. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Rob, last question because obviously I want to get you out of here. We appreciate you giving your time, but uh, something kind of funny that you know Tom wanted me to ask you about uh, your your fanhood as a Dolphins fan. I don't, I'm not sure Tom even knows this, but my. Uh, you know, my grandfather was – I'm not a huge – I'm not from a big NFL family, obviously, being from South Carolina. I really just never had an NFL connection. But my grandfather actually pulled for the Dolphins when they had Zonka and Greasy. My dad kind of jumped on that same bandwagon when they had Dan Marino. Um, so, growing up, you know, I really didn't have an NFL team, me personally. But, you know, I just thought, why not? I'll pull for the Dolphins. I mean, I remember watching the Dolphins when they had their, what, 1-15 in 15 year, I think it was, with Jason Taylor, Zach Thomas, uh, when they won the division, I think, what was it? Chad Pennington was the quarterback, I think. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I've watched them through the years. I'm not, I would never consider myself like a diehard fan, but, you know, it's just kind of ironic that we bring this up. Uh, talk about how, how have you been able to manage being a South Carolina fan and a Miami Dolphins fan? I mean, <laughs> I, how, how have you been able to survive those, some, you know, because some years I have to imagine some weekends were pretty, uh, pretty dreadful to be a part of. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things that me and me and my wife, we have a lot of good laughs over and she kind of, you know, picks at me. She's not the biggest NFL fan, but uh, she's obviously a diehard Gamecocks fan. But we, uh, you know, since me and her got married, we've been married 14 years every Sunday uh, outside of the bye week. I'm, I'm in front of the TV watching every minute of the Dolphins game, just like I am on Saturdays at Gamecocks. And my emotions run crazy. I'm kind of bipolar on game day. I'm, I'm, I'm riding a roller coaster and I just have fun with it. I've, I've just learned uh, over the years, you, you gotta have fun. Uh, you gotta be, you gotta be realistic. Uh, I, I said that when I first came on the show with you guys, uh, I think being a fan of the dolphins and being a fan of the Gamecocks have, have pulled a lot of reality out of me so that I don't let my fan, uh, fanhood just blind myself to you know to what is actually happening so that's that's a good thing I've learned from being a Dolphins and a Gamecock fan but I've been a Dolphins fan since I was born I can remember all the way back uh, uh, you know the early Marino days I thought in in uh, in the early 90s uh, we were going to win the Super Bowl he tore his Achilles all the way through the Zach Thomas Jason Taylor years uh, I thought Dante Culpepper was coming from Minnesota. I thought he's going to lead the Dolphins to the Super Bowl. That was obviously terrible because the Dolphins picked Dante Culpepper over Drew Brees, and we all know what kind of happened out of that. So yeah. um, it is. It has been. Uh, it has been nothing short of miserable. But uh, I, uh, I. I just have fun with it. Uh, one day. One day, Super Bowl Sunday, my Dolphins will hoist that trophy, and 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 maybe I'll be eighty years old when that happens. But uh, it'll be a tremendous day. So, uh, just have fun, man. This is this is sports. That's what I've learned. This is sports. Just have fun with it. No, yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask you as well, kind of following up on that. How much less of a fan would you be of our show if I told you my co-host was a Patriots fan? No, no, yeah. You know <laughs> but uh you guys took Danny from us, so I'm kinda kinda peed off right now. <laughs> yeah. No, it's okay. Uh you know, 
the Dolphins, uh, you know, a lot of lot of uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but the Dolphins have a winning record versus the Patriots over their history, uh, and but that really doesn't matter in recent memory because the Patriots have just absolutely dominated uh, their rivalry. Uh, not only that, but they've won five Super Bowls. Uh, so, it, it, you know, I try to tell Gamecock fans, imagine, imagine Clemson winning, you know, five national championships in 17 years and pretty much being in the face of college football. That's kind of how I'd had to live the last basically two decades. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm not a diehard NFL fan, but I can say I hate the Patriots and I can't wait till, uh, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick both retires. So sorry, <laughs> Tom. It's never going to happen. It's, uh, and it's ironic because, you know, I, you know, I live in Charlotte, so I've kind of jumped on that Panthers bandwagon. I mean, my first year I lived here, the Panthers went 15 and one. So I was like, well, I'm going to enjoy this obviously. But my, uh, my girlfriend right now, she's actually from Buffalo. She's a Buffalo Bills fan and her whole family are diehard Bills fans. And I've, you know, Charlotte's a very big transplant city. So I, I know tons of people from the state of New York that are huge Bills fans. So I feel like I'm just surrounded by, by uh, AFC East fans. It's, it's pretty funny to be honest. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Rob, Hey, we appreciate you coming on. Obviously. Thank you for taking the time. Let everybody know where they can find you. Obviously if they're not following yet. Yeah, I appreciate it guys. Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at breaking down film. Uh, that's without a G breaking down film on Twitter. Uh, and uh, give me a follow. And like I said, I, I tweet a lot about the Gamecocks, tweet a lot about the Dolphins, make some jokes here and there, and just try to have a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah, Gamecock fans, if you're not following along yet, he's an absolutely fantastic follow on Twitter. Uh, Rob, again, we appreciate you coming on. We're definitely going to want to have you back on the show as we get closer to football season. Um, that's pretty much going to wrap it up for us, though. Again, be sure to go check us out, iTunes, the Stitcher app, wherever you consume your podcast. Find us there. Uh, rate, subscribe in the meantime while you do so. Leave a review as well. We, we appreciate that. Uh, follow us on our social media handles, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Go check us out on armchairamericans.com. You all know where to find us. So uh, for Rob Prophet, Thomas Floyd, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we will catch you next time on the next episode of the Spurs Up Show. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.